Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I don't know about you. I'm just going to grab a stun. When I woke up this morning and I got out of bed, I could hear this most incredible sound. And I thought the kids were watching <coughs> like they normally do, something really loud on telly. I was like, what is that beautiful noise? And I realized, I know this sounds a bit weird. I wouldn't normally notice this, but there were these birds singing outside so loud. We don't have birds on our road, not even one. <laughs> There's not even one bird on our road, ever. But this morning, these birds were just singing. They were worshipping their little hearts out. And they probably don't even know what they're doing, but we know creation was made to worship the Creator, and it was beautiful. Anyway, I want to show you a little story. Oh, I forgot my little... I want to show you a little story about when I was growing up. Um, no, it's, it's not a bad story. Um, my favourite place to play when I was, like, some of your age... When I was a kid, my favorite, one of my favorite places to play was in what we called the German bunkers. Has anyone ever seen the German bunkers? So if you come to the island that I'm from, my island is Guernsey, it is covered in German bunkers from the war. The Nazi soldiers came, thousands of them, and they were there for like six, five or six years, and they built these bunkers everywhere. And the most fun thing was to explore in them. And they had all these tunnels under them. It was so fun. In fact, my uncle's got whole sheds full of things like gas masks and helmets and rifles that he found in them when he was a little boy. I loved it. But there was two problems with these bunkers. Firstly, imagine if they were all over Barnet. Everywhere all over Barnet, literally. I mean, we had one at the top of our garden, one at the bottom of our garden on the, like, the boundaries of our garden. We used to play in them and go underground. It was so fun. But can you imagine if Barnet was covered in these things? There's two main problems. Firstly, they look really ugly and oppressive. <laughs> they don't look very relaxing. They're not very life-giving. The other problem is you can't move them. What if you wanted to build a house? And a lot of people wanted to build a house or something, and they can't. Because these things cannot be moved. You can use a digger. You can use a wrecking ball. You can even use dynamite. And guess what happens if you fill it with dynamite? Nothing. Because the Nazis forced these slaves to build them with incredible iron mesh, these rods that go all the way through, and they are so well built, you just can't blow them up. And that was... Can you imagine when Jesus would have died? When it went dark when there was an earthquake, when he was put in the tomb and it was sealed, how completely final and immovable and oppressive and dark and finished that was. It was horrible. Anyway, my island Guernsey is covered in these things. But a few years ago, they found out a really clever way. See, Guernsey has got lots of water. And they tried dynamite and everything. It didn't work. But somebody had the idea of filling them with water So they would seal them up, pump seawater into it, and then just put the dynamite in. And do you know what happened? They literally blew up to smithereens. It was the power of the water would make these, these structures just disintegrate, just blow apart. Okay? And... So when Jesus burst out of the tomb, when he rose from the dead, it was literally like... Death was blown apart. The enemy of our lives was blown apart. Our eternity in hell, our eternity away from God was, was demolished. 
the bunker, the stronghold, the headquarters of Satan was completely blown apart and demolished. And it is the best news we could ever, ever hear. Like Peter said in 1 Peter, because of the resurrection of Jesus rising from the dead, we have been born again to a living hope. It is so incredible. When anyone this morning who invites Jesus into their life, the strongholds of the, the darkness in your life will be blown to smithereens. And I just want to encourage you, if you don't know Jesus this morning, there, there are things in all of our lives that hold us back, that oppress us. And they will oppress you for eternity without God. And Jesus promises, if you will let me into your life, my resurrection power will instantly come and blow it apart. He will come and nothing else will do it. No dynamite, no bulldozer. You need the resurrection power of Jesus in your life. Today, can you anyone guess? Andy said it was a clue before. How many people on earth today have had their lives transformed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ? How many people do you think? Any kids want to tell me? Do you think 10, 20, a million? So Andy said it before. It is 3.3 billion people. Oh, sorry. Two points. Sorry, I'm messing this up. At the moment, it's 2.6 billion, which is by far the largest faith on earth, way bigger than, well, bigger than Islam and atheism, anything like that. And it's growing rapidly in most of the world. By 2050, it's going to expect it to be 3.33 billion people transformed by the resurrection. And Christianity is completely set apart from any other religion. It's in a different category because of this, because... It is the only faith where God came down, gave his life for us, and died and burst out of the tomb. It is totally set apart from anything else on the world in a different category. But you and I both know that there are still these bunkers in our lives, little ones, and in the world. People who don't know Jesus yet. And all of us here, we're here, aren't we, because we long to know him more. Did you know, kids, I want you to imagine this, just knowing the smile of Jesus in your life, just experiencing Jesus' smile is more valuable than 10 billion pounds in your bank. It is just the most valuable thing we could ever experience. But don't we just long to experience him more, his smile in our life, hearing his voice more, being in his will in our lives more, being set free more. And, we, and that is exactly what the resurrection is for, for us Christians as well this morning. If you love Jesus, the resurrection power of Jesus is flowing in your veins. And he wants to come and burst apart the enemy's little strongholds in our lives this morning. And for the people in Barnet who don't know Jesus yet, it's the same. Jesus wants to come and blow apart the enemy's plans. So this is just this one thing I want to talk about for a few minutes. How? How can we see the explosive power of the resurrection in our lives and in Barnet and beyond? What I've discovered this in, as I was reading this story that we saw on the screen, I discovered this amazing thing. It just jumped out and hit me. And it is a pattern, an amazing pattern. To try and get this pattern, okay? And I'll just explain it in the story. Whenever somebody tells somebody that they've seen the risen Jesus, then that person suddenly sees Jesus too. 
Nobody sees Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, in these accounts in the Gospels until they've been told by another person or an angel. It is an amazing pattern. And I think it is a a real promise for us that when we tell ourselves about the resurrection, then the power will come into our lives. When we tell our friends, our family about the resurrection, sometimes it takes a while and they won't believe us at first, often. But the power will, Jesus will appear to them. So let me just prove this to you from, from, from the accounts. Firstly, nobody knew yet. So the early on Sunday morning, the ladies, the women, and Mary Magdalene went to the tomb to put spices on, the, on, on Jesus' body. And he wasn't there. Jesus was gone. And then what happened? The angels appeared and told them, Jesus is risen. Go and tell the disciples. And what happened, as soon as they heard it with their ears, as soon as the angels told them, Jesus appeared to them. It was as if Jesus refused to appear to them until someone announced him. Until someone, I mean there was no humans who knew yet, so he had to use angels. Until the angels announced it to them. And then Jesus appeared to them. And Jesus said, uh, the angels said, go and tell the disciples. So they went off and told the disciples and the disciples didn't believe them. They thought they were literally had lost their minds and gone crazy. But what happened after that? Jesus was desperate to appear to the disciples, wasn't he? He was so excited to appear, but he didn't until the women announced that he was alive and that they had seen him. And that very same day, two of the disciples were walking along the road to Emmaus and suddenly, out of nowhere, the resurrected Jesus appears to them and completely transforms their lives. Wow. All because those women came and told them. The next bit of the story is that these two disciples are so excited that they go running back to Jerusalem. And they go and tell the other disciples, we've seen him. He's alive. This is amazing. And do the disciples believe them? No. But straight after that, what happens? Jesus is waiting. He's just waiting for these two guys to tell everybody. And he's thinking, as soon as, they, as, soon as the, the words leave their lips, I'm going to appear. And you can read this story. Jesus appears to them because they've just been told. There's something about telling, telling, let, letting it leave our lips, the words, my Jesus, Jesus Christ, have you heard? He is actually risen from the dead. When you, when you say that, he turns up. He appears. Even now, when we tell ourselves, he's turning up more. And then, the story doesn't end there. Because one disciple wasn't there. Maybe he had, a, I don't know, something else he had to go to. He wasn't there. Thomas. So the disciples went and found Thomas. And they said, Thomas, this is amazing. Jesus has risen. He's alive. He's appeared to us. And Thomas, does he believe them? No, he literally thinks they've gone crazy. He says, I don't believe. Unless I see him and touch him, I don't believe. Does that sound like your friends, like your family, people at work? But then what happens? Jesus has been waiting. And as soon as they tell Thomas, actually it takes a few days, but Jesus appears to Thomas and encounters Thomas in a beautiful way. And that's the bit when he, um, it's just amazing. He appeared to Thomas. But it didn't stop there. 
it carried on and on. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up in front of all the crowds who didn't believe in Jesus, didn't believe he'd risen from the dead, and he shouts to them, you killed him, but the Lord raised him up. You killed the author of life, but God has raised him. He's alive. And as soon as those words about the resurrection leave Peter's lips, what happens? Jesus appears to that massive crowd of thousands of people through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is bursting out in people's lives. They see Jesus in their hearts. They are completely transformed. They meet with Jesus. They give their lives to him. And then they go and tell other people he's risen. And if you look through the book of Acts, every time the apostles are speaking or talking to people, they're saying, did you know Jesus Christ is risen from the dead? That is the main thing that they say. They don't just say it on Easter Day. They say it day in, day out. And when they say it, people encounter Jesus in amazing ways, like we can this morning. And this is the ongoing pattern throughout church history. As soon as the words leave our lips, Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. It does something so powerful in us and in other people. And I I felt God say to bring this one point this morning because he wants to increase our confidence in the resurrection. I think we've lost it. Honestly, often I think we leave it, we confine it to one week of the year and the rest of the year we don't use it as our main weapon for evangelism or for personal renewal and revival. We need to be telling ourselves every day, he is risen and it will change our lives. So just a a couple of things just to finish off. Firstly, we need fresh confidence in the resurrection. Billy Graham said this, and I find this really helpful. There is more evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than there is that Julius Caesar ever lived or that Alexander the Great died at the age of 33. And I love the way Charles Spurgeon also said, I believe that the resurrection of Jesus is one of the best proven facts in all of history. And you might think, what? That's crazy. One of the best proven facts in all of history. Why? Well, because all the whole world has been just so transformed by that one event. Why didn't the disciples, at any time, they could have just said when they were being tortured to death, all right, we made it up, Jesus didn't rise from the dead, but they all gave their lives, they died. Because they knew, they could not deny the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And it, and it exploded. It took over the whole world. But Jesus has risen from the dead. It is an incredible fact that has been proven so, so well. And we can, as Christians, we can really celebrate this. We can have our rock-solid confidence in the resurrection of Jesus and some of us yet aren't yet Christians. We're on a journey of coming towards Jesus. And I just want to say, you can be really confident. Go online and type in res- evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. It is phenomenal. It's astounding. The empty tomb. Secondly, we need to proclaim it to ourselves every day. Satan tries to have these bunkers in our lives but when we start proclaiming the resurrection it has such power in our lives and I think because we've been Christians for a long time many of us it's lost its edge the resurrection has just become a thing that's part of our calendar 
instead of being our main weapon that we wage warfare with and fight with, it needs to be on our front of our, on, we need to be on the front foot with the resurrection. I think maybe we need to restore our emphasis on the resurrection in our lives, in our worship, in our personal devotions. It needs to be at the forefront. And then lastly, we need to tell, tell others. We need to tell others. Do you remember when Jesus once told a parable about the growing seed? He just said, just, the farmer just scatters seed and then he goes to bed. That's it. Do you know, we need to tell people. We need to get in the habit of telling our friends and family. Do you know what? I really, really do know that he's risen from the dead. And Jesus said that when you do that, the seed, when you're sleeping at night, will grow. It will grow in stages, bit by bit, but it will grow. God's word never returns void. So let's be confident about telling people, just sharing people that he's risen from the dead. And part of the story is that people will think we are crazy. Because that happened in the Bible again and again. But then they encountered Jesus. So just to conclude, the resurrection is for life, not just for Easter. It needs to be the biggest thing in our life. Just the, what's filling our mind, the biggest thing in our worship. God, you've risen. Thank you, you've risen. And I would love just to pray for us quickly now. Um, if you want to hold out your hands to respond, I want to pray that the Spirit will bring a fresh confidence and that we would see friends and family become Christians, that they suddenly would encounter Jesus like we have. Because when the words leave our lips, do you know, I know he's risen from the dead, then see resurrection seeds would grow in their hearts and they would encounter Jesus for themselves for themselves and their lives will be changed and they'll say why didn't you tell me sooner this is amazing so lord we pray holy spirit come and put a fresh confidence come restore us a fresh confidence lord we're so sorry for where we forget about the resurrection lord and we just talk about it certain weeks of the year but we say jesus come and restore it in our hearts and minds and come and anoint us with power clothe us with power from on high, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening so well.